the Miami Heater in the 2023 NBA Finals, and hopefully you took my advice from May 15th and picked the Heat to win in seven games, which you got at plus 400. I'm Blake Atwell, and welcome to The Blake Show, the show where we talk all things NBA and NBA bets, coming to you nationally on TuneIn Believe Betting Radio, YouTube, Spotify, Apple, and wherever else you get your podcasts. Let's get to it. On today's show, I'm going to discuss this Heat Celtics series for a bit and then give you my early raw take on the NBA Finals. Where do we begin? Why don't we start with some numbers, courtesy of ESPN, the same ESPN that gave the Miami Heat a 3% chance to win this series. Let's start with 136. This is the price of a one-way ticket from Boston to Cancun for you Boston sports fans out here, out there that are interested in that. 100, Caleb Martin is the first player in Heat history to score 100 points on 60% from the field and 45% for three in a playoff series. 68, Caleb Martin's field goal percentage in game seven. 20, Boston's three-point percentage in games six and seven. What about 15, the number of turnovers the Boston Celtics had in game seven? How about three? The Heat are just the third team in the last 35 years to reach the finals as underdogs in all of their playoff series. Number two, the Heat are the second eighth seed ever to reach the NBA Finals. And number one, the Miami Heat are the first playing team to reach the Finals. Oh, and one more bonus for you on that, number one. Number one, that is the number of titles the Boston Celtics have won in the last 36 years. All of these stats add up to the disrespected, underrated Miami Heat taking out an inconsistent, disappointing Boston Celtics team in Game 7 of the Eastern Conference Finals. The Celtics stay home in Boston with their arrogant, pretentious, entitled fans while the Miami Heat advance to play the Denver Nuggets in what will be their second NBA Finals in the last four years. Oh, and just a reminder, Miami has three titles since 2006, so how's that for a storied franchise, Boston Celtics? Anyways, before the series began, when nobody in the national media picked the series to go seven games, much less the Heat actually winning the series, other than if you are a Miami homer or you are in the Miami market, I did pick the Heat in seven because of what I had seen from these two teams in each of their prior playoff series. Miami beat the Bucs and Knicks by playing more physical, being mentally tougher, and getting consistent high-level play out of their others. On the other side, Boston played down to their competition. The Celtics had absolutely no business playing the Atlanta Hawks for six games. They certainly had no business playing in game seven against a dysfunctional Philly team that started the series without their best player, Joel Embiid. Boston beat Atlanta off of pure talent, but only survived the Philly series because of Kobe Bryant level play from Jason Tatum for a few minutes in game six. And then of course, for the entirety of that 50 point game seven, the rest of the group did not pull its weight. And I figured that the difference in this series with Miami would come down to those other guys, the teammates of Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo and the teammates of Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. Before I continue, I want to stop here for a second and just say that I am so tired. Just like, every other uh, Miami Heat fan is, of this undrafted storyline. If you're in the national media, stop using that word. As Spo said earlier in the conference finals, it's disrespectful to players on this Miami Heat team that have played in multiple playoffs, conference finals, and now NBA finals. These aren't unproven players who are fighting to make the roster in training camp, so stop talking about them as such. Gabe Vincent is a huge reason why Miami is back in the finals. We can start with him. His play throughout these playoffs has been vital, especially with the decline of Kyle Lowry, who is now playing a bit better in that reduced bench role. Duncan Robinson, he's on a huge contract. He's the best shooter in Heat history. And while he didn't play in the regular season, fill out of the rotation, the Heat are not in this position in the NBA Finals without 
Duncan's consistent shooting throughout these playoffs. Caleb Martin played a huge role on this Heat team the whole season, started a lot of the season, and he should have been named the MVP of the conference finals last night. Obviously, whether you've watched the Heat consistently or not this season, it doesn't really take a rocket scientist to know that Miami is nowhere near the NBA finals. If it's not for the way that Martin has stepped up this year, particularly in these playoffs and sort of the jump that he has taken this season with the team. So the undrafted storyline is completely irrelevant and you look stupid when you bring it up. It's another way of telling your audience that you don't watch the heat consistently, that you don't really know these team. You don't really know these players. So please cut it out for the love of God with the undrafted stuff. Let's get past that. We're in the finals now. Um, all right, let's get back to the Celtic series. Caleb Martin, Gabe Vincent, Duncan Robinson, Kevin Love, Haywood Highsmith, Max Struess, and yes, even Kyle Lowry, who has been up and down this season for the Heat, of course, and has been really good for most of these playoffs. All of those guys did outplay Brogdon, Horford, Smart, and Robert Williams and Grant Williams on a consistent basis in this series. I'm going to leave Derek White out of this because he was definitely on a heater at the end of this series and, of course, had the Game 6 winner. The Celtics don't even get to Game 7 if it's not for him. And while uh, Jason Tatum was struggling in game seven with the unfortunate ankle injury that he was withstood, you never want to see that in the first play of the game. Um, Derek White was the guy uh, next to Jalen Brown who was getting buckets and keeping the Celtics really in the game. Um, after the Celtics dominant performances in games four and five, I predicted on this show that they would go home in game six. And my reason for that was because I didn't think that Boston had shown really at all, not one time this whole postseason, that they could string together a good, consistent stretch of basketball of three to four games. You know, they get hot for two games and they come back to reality. And sure enough, that's exactly what the Celtics did in game six. Um, with how bad Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo played, Boston should have been up double digits in that game. But because they were jacking up threes and playing hero ball, which is then what killed them in game seven, Miami even was able to take the lead in this game with two seconds left, and then they bump it up to three seconds, and we all know what happened next. But that moment was clearly a fluke because Boston shot in the 20 percentile from three in game six, and there was no way that based on, again, what you've seen throughout the regular season in this postseason, that Boston was going to flip some kind of switch in game seven and suddenly play great basketball again just because they were in front of their home crowd. It was not going to happen. And it especially was not going to happen against Eric Spolstra and his defensive schemes on the other sideline. You know, this is not Philadelphia 76ers. This is a different beast in the Miami Heat. And speaking of which, I mean, Miami went zone in game seven, and this is an adjustment that they made off and on throughout the postseason and throughout the series, throughout a lot of these games based on whether or not Boston was hitting shots and, and what have you. And Miami basically told Boston, look, like beat us with your three-point shots. And even though the Celtics could not make a shot, I mean, they fell for it. They played right in the hands of Miami because they stopped moving the ball. Because there was a talent gap between the Celtics and the Heat, um, Miami's really, I think their, their best strategy here was to stop that ball from moving because when that ball was whipping around like it was particularly in like game five um in boston and then down the stretch um and in, in in uh in game six like that is when the celtics are really hard to beat they play that it's it's almost like a spurs or warriors like level of basketball i mean they're they're that good that's why they're the two see that's why they had all this hype that's why they're such a big disappointment because they don't do that for whole stretches of games and it's just 
mystifying. Um, and it's what got them beat. And the other thing that I would say is, of course, you know, Jason Tatum hurting that ankle on the first play of the game, that changed the entire flow of this game. And I do think it would have been a lot closer, but I don't want to hear these Boston Celtics fans out here in my mentions and um, on Twitter in general talking about that. Maybe it would have been a different conversation if Jason Tatum played because the rest of the Boston roster did not play smart enough, did not play tough enough to beat Miami in this game, even if Tatum were healthy and were at 100%. So any narratives of the Celtics winning this game without that ankle injury happening to Tatum, that's complete BS. Um, on the Miami side, Jimmy Butler finally hit some timely shots late in the series, really for the first time since game three in this series. And Caleb Martin outplayed Jalen Brown, which tell me if you had that on your, on your bingo card for a game seven. Duncan Robinson did his job. He hit a few threes. Kyle Lowry gave Vincent did their jobs. They took care of the ball. The two of them only had three turnovers in this game. And that's all she wrote. I mean, Miami, they didn't even really need a, a great performance out of Bam. who struggled yet again on the offensive end in this game. Um, he did rebound the ball well, though, and he played tough enough on defense to uh, to justify, you know, being out there on the floor. And then there were times through stretches of this game where the Heat just went really, really small and played that zone. And it was tough because Boston was getting offensive rebounds, but getting offensive rebounds and jacking up more threes and not moving the ball. So it didn't even really matter. Um, and uh, with that, you know, Boston season is over. Miami moves on. Miami, they beat the title favorites in the first round, the Bucks. Then they beat the Knicks in the second round. That was a team that had just completely dismantled one of the best defenses in the league during the regular season, the Cleveland Cavaliers. And then the Heat beat the other title favorites, arguably in the NBA and the Celtics on their floor in game seven, easily. Now, with all that being said, this is where Miami really faces its toughest test yet. And one of the things that I said on my Twitter when the Heat went up 3-0 is that they could not afford to let the series linger because on the other side waited a Denver Nuggets team that swept LeBron and AD out of the playoffs. Nuggets have now been resting since May 22nd, and that is not good news for the Heat. Just like every other series, Miami is a big underdog, and understandably so. Look, as of this episode, they're plus 330 to win the title on FanDuel. Um, Denver is a minus 480 favorite, and I get it. Denver is rested. They have home court advantage. They have looked like the best team in the league throughout the entire playoffs. Nobody is going to be picking the heat to win this series, but I do see a path where it can happen. And I think the first must for Miami is to steal a game in Denver, ride your momentum from the Boston series into game one. Hope the nuggets come out a little rusty from all this time off. Um, if you do lose in game one, you got to play your best game of the season in a hostile environment in game two. If you can steal one of those two, you can win the series. I do think that game one is Miami's best chance if they are going to win the title. Um, another thing that you just have to be honest about, and I talked about this before the, the Western conference finals and, and the nuggets proved me wrong. Like, let's see if they can do it again, but Denver has never been here. They've never been um, a favorite at this stage in the NBA finals. And Miami, Miami has, I mean, they haven't been a favorite, but, <laughs> but they've been the NBA finals, you know, back in 2020 with this current iteration of the team. So, you're also looking at how are Nikola Jokic and Jamal Murray going to perform on the biggest stage. And we don't know. Recent history tells us, these playoffs tells us that they'll be the best two players on the floor. And if they're the best players on the floor, you know, Denver's winning this series, but, and, and, you know, they were the best player on the floor every single series in the West, but this is the NBA finals. It's a different game now. And what we do know is that Jimmy Butler is going to show up for the finals. He did in 2020. He will in 2023. He had a tough, you know, latter part of this series against Boston, but in game seven, 
timely shots, three-pointers, drawing fouls, driving into the lane, creating opportunities for teammates. He's going to bring that same energy to the NBA Finals. And Miami, they need Jimmy to be very aggressive, both for himself and in setting up teammates. And now I, I think that beyond Jimmy, the second biggest domino here, in my opinion, is Bam. Bam can't play like he did in the latter half of this Celtic series against the Nuggets. He's got Nikola Jokic now to deal with, and that is not Robert Williams. That is not Al Horford. Um, and I'm sure that Spo is going to throw some wild schemes and looks at Jokic, but mano a mano, Bam has to hold his own against Jokic for Miami to have a chance in the series. And what I mean by holding his own is he has to play the lockdown defense. We all know he's capable of playing. He's got to make life just difficult and uncomfortable for Jokic. Cause as we saw with Anthony Davis, who best defensive player in these playoffs, I mean, you're not going to stop him. You got to just try to, there are going to be times where he dribbles backwards and shoots a fadeaway three behind his head. And you know, the dude's seven feet tall, like, what are you going to do? <laughs> so you just have to make it uncomfortable. Next, I think for Miami, big point of emphasis here, got to take care of the ball. Games five, six, and seven, those are a little ugly for Bam in terms of taking care of the ball and the team overall. And Miami cannot let Denver get out and transition. Like I just said, not just with Bam, but the same goes for Kyle Lowry, Gabe Vincent, of course. Got to take care of the ball, limit the turnovers. If Denver gets out in transition, game over. Um, and the last thing I'll say before this series, before I give my prediction, is that I think Jamal Murray is really the X factor because if Murray makes shots at the level that he did, not just shots, but tough shots at the level that he did against the Lakers, Miami cannot win. If Miami plays great defense and Murray plays better offense, Denver's going to win this thing. But with all that being said, I am picking the Miami Heat in seven games. Why am I picking the Miami Heat in seven games? I'm putting my trust in the team that's been here before. I'm putting my trust in a coach that's been here, done that before, in, in Coach Spolstra. I believe that he's going to throw different looks and enough different looks to throw off this hot offense and this momentum that Denver has going for them. I'm also putting my faith in Bam to really just play his his best, cleanest basketball of these playoffs and hold his own against Jokic. Play well on defense. Don't turn the ball over on offense. That's what we need from him. And then I'm trusting Jimmy Butler to back up what he's talked about for years now, and that's to bring a title to Miami. He talked about last year after losing to Boston, coming back, being in the same spot in Game 7 and delivering. He's talked about this season too, early in the season when the team was struggling and reporters asked him what his expectation was for the season. He said championship. Here's his chance to back it up. So again, my pre-series prediction here is Heat in seven games as plus 330 underdogs. Just like the Boston series, man, book it now. This is Miami's year. I believe it. That'll do it for today's Blake Show. Thank you so much for watching and listening. Subscribe on Spotify, Apple, iHeart, YouTube, wherever else you get your podcasts. Follow me on Twitter and IG at Blake on social, and I will see you on the next Blake Show.